0: Kids who are dismissed, if everyone else please be seated. We are excited to continue in our series on the book of Acts and we will end our series on the book of Acts in the month of September because as we move into the month of October we'll be highlighting missions for an entire month. We'll be looking at missions in Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We will have missionaries come and speak and preach and teach on Sundays and on Wednesdays and we are anticipating A great, great missions month. But we are continuing in our series as we look at the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And today we're going to start a two-part series on discerning the Spirit's direction. Because we're going to look at how the Spirit of God directed Paul, Timothy, and Silas. And then how he was directing Paul alone next week. So we are uh, just in, enjoying the series. Hopefully you have been as well. I know it has been very uh, transformative in my life to see what I am to do as a Christian and a believer and as a leader in the church, and I hope that the Lord has been doing the same for you. Well, I, as often I like to share with you some of the things that I am off, uh, often bad at. I've talked about bad listening, and, and now I want to share with you that I'm a GPS-dependent kind of guy. Right now that's not always one of those things that men want to admit because you know growing up when there was no GPS I remember my dad driving and having no idea where he was going and my mom saying please pull over and ask him you know ask these people for directions no I'm not going to do that. Well now we have you know guys that are just listening to a digital lady tell him where to go right. And that's what I like to do. And, and often, you know, people, when you say, hey, can I get to this place? They, people will start saying, start okay, go down this, to the, turn left at the gas station, and turn right down here. I have to be honest, when people start doing that with me, I completely blank out and don't listen to a the thing they say. And I say, can you just give me the address? Oh, yeah, I could do that. And I just plug it in GPS and I go with it, right? So I'm a GPS-dependent person. Have you ever had a time, though, when your GPS let you down, right? I don't know if you've ever been to the city of Pittsburgh, but there's all kinds of random dead-end streets that end with a hill and a staircase. Have you ever seen those things, right? And they just end with this, you're like, why is there a staircase? But the GPS, most of the time, it's been fixed over the years, but the GPS reads that as a road, that staircase as a road. I I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I was in Pittsburgh, and I typed it into my GPS, a specific address, and I was driving, and I was following word for word like a good, obedient boy listening to the GPS directions, and I turn right, and there's a staircase, and I'm like, why is there a staircase, why is this telling me there's a road, have you ever experienced like you've gone a dead end street, but your GPS told you, am I the only one, Okay, all right, good. I'm not alone. There's at least five of you that are here and hopefully more online who can't raise their hand so we can't see you. Uh, But the reality is is that sometimes you can follow the GPS and still come to a dead end, a roadblock or something that's not there. Pastor Mike was sharing with me a a clip from uh, the office where he was following a GPS and he drove into a lake, right? I mean, this just happens. It happens. And sometimes we can have the same experience with our lives in general with the Holy Spirit where we feel like we're following the Lord's leading and we're going down where he tells us to go and we make a turn and there's a roadblock or what we as good Christians call closed doors, right? Have you ever used that, that phrase before? It's just a closed door. Well, we experience those in our lives. Too often, we miss the fact that in that no, in that roadblock, there is somewhere that God desires to redirect us. You know, the old GPSs, they say, redirecting, redirecting. Sometimes that's what God is trying to do when we experience roadblocks like that. In fact, the Lord's prohibition is also permission. His no is also a yes. His no is also a yes. A.T. Pearson, a great theologian, calls this the Lord's double guidance. The Lord's double guidance, where he's saying no, but he's also saying yes. Now, the GPS isn't smart enough to tell me no and then give me a yes. I had to figure that one out on my own at that time. But the Holy Spirit, the the Lord's prohibition is also permission. We need to remember that. But as people, as humans, sometimes we focus on the negative a lot more than we do the positive. We could come to one of those closed doors in our lives where we anticipated and thought, this was an open door. This is where I was supposed to go. I felt this leading. I felt this direction. But no, it's a closed door. And we can focus on the negative aspect of it and miss the yes that God is trying to get us to see. And we can miss the yes because in God's no, there is always a yes. Now, when we pray and ask the Lord for direction or guidance, or we ask him for something to happen in our lives, you probably have heard this said before. God has three answers, yes, no, and wait. And we don't like the no and the wait. We always want the yeses. It's like a toddler. You tell them to wait. That's not a very good experience, right? They get a little bit grumpy. They want their goldfish now. Anybody experienced that with a toddler before? All right. All right. We got to wake up, guys. It's okay. It's okay. All right? We are going to look at the answer to this one question today from this passage of Scripture, and we'll be asking uh, this question again next week. The first question is, it kind of branches off into two, is how can we discern the Spirit's direction? How can we discern the Spirit's direction, and why does He say no or wait? And I think that many times when we come to a passage like this, we ask the question, why would God do that? Why would God lead us or seemingly lead us down a path and then have a closed door at the end? I believe this passage and the historicity surrounding this passage will answer those two questions. So let's read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, 1 Peter 1.1 and 1 Peter 1.12. So if you have your Bibles with you or your apps, you can pull them open and uh, you can follow along with us. Acts 16, 6 through 10. (coughs) The word of the Lord. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. These are really fun places. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now First Peter 1.1 and 1 Peter 1.12. And this passage will make sense as we move forward. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look." Now I'm going to explain why we're using those two passages, because that one passage in 1 Peter gives a contextual historicity of where we're going. And I'll explain what that means in a moment as well. But to answer these two questions, how do we discern the Holy Spirit's direction, and why does he sometimes say no or wait? If you go back to Acts 13, we talked about how the Holy Spirit and the group of people, the men who were praying and fasting, having an all night long worship service, maybe days long, we see there that Paul was called to go and preach to the Gentiles. Alongside of him was Barnabas. And they went out and they went on missionary journeys to the Gentiles and proclaimed the truth. And we saw last week in the, in the council of Jerusalem, we saw that many of those Gentiles came to faith in Jesus. Now in Acts 15, We see that Barnabas and Paul go on different journeys, and then Paul picks up Timothy and Silas with him, and that's who is with him here in Acts chapter 16. Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they had put together a missionary journey plan. They had come together as a group of men saying, we are going to go on mission for Jesus. But in these passages, we can see that there are aspects of discernment to see where the Spirit is leading. Because these three men came up to not one, but two closed doors. So how did they discern the direction of the Spirit? What aspects of their life were there? I think the first aspect that we can see is that we need to develop plans with open hands. I know that that's one of those like happy wife, happy life. You can really remember those ones, right? Develop plans with open hands. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, no one could ever call him lazy. The Apostle Paul was a hard worker. He was a tent maker, and he was a preacher. He was a church planter, and he was a hard worker. I mean, this guy, he, I don't know if he ever slept except maybe two hours a night because he was just always working. I mean, the guy would preach for four hours. A guy fell out of a window and died. He goes down, raises him from the dead by the power of the Spirit, brings him back upstairs, and you know what Paul decided to do? He decided to keep preaching right? Paul was not a lazy guy. And so as Timothy and Silas and Paul sat down together, I'm sure that they spent time in prayer. They were spending time asking the Lord, where are we supposed to go? And Paul was a strategic guy. He developed with those two men a strategic plan of a missionary journey. They get all that way, developing out this plan, and then the Holy Spirit says, no. But you see how they responded. You see that they had plans with an open hand. They were allowing God to change their trajectory. Wagner states this, They, the men, would have been seeking God's specific leading, which they presumably would have concluded was Asia. Now, if you look at the scope of Paul's missionary journey with Barnabas, and then you were to say Paul is going to go to Gentiles, this area of Asia, which is now parts of Ephesus and things like that during Paul's time, that's where he's at. Asia Minor is that area. There's tons of Gentiles. There are these Roman Greco towns, areas that are near great places of commerce that desperately need the gospel of Jesus. And so this strategic plan that he had, he felt called to go to Gentiles, and so he developed a really good plan. How many of you are planners? Right? How many of you are the the type of planner that's a checklist planner? You know what I'm saying, right? Where you write down your plan, and you put little boxes next to it, and you're like, here's A, here's B, here's C. I have done my plan. But if all of a sudden something happens in a child or a person or some kind of experience or extenuating circumstances make you miss A, B, and C, and you have to go right to D, how many of you really like that as checklist planners? No, you're probably like, oh, (laughs) my plan is gone. It's like making a birthing plan. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, moms, right? You have this plan of how it's all gonna go, giving birth to your baby, and then the baby's like, none of that's gonna happen. And you're like, I hate that. Why didn't it happen the way I wanted it to happen? Sometimes plans don't go as planned. But God allowed Paul and Timothy and Silas to develop this really great strategic plan. But he said no. So if we're to develop plans with open hands, all things must be in submission and surrender to our Savior. Even our plans even our plans. They need to be in submission and surrender. Too often we come to this place of my plan is more important than what God wants me to do. We come with a plan in prayer and we say, God, here's my checklist. Please, oh Jesus, let me get from A, B, C, and D, and E in order. Right? That might be where you're at. But sometimes God just is like, that's a really great plan. I'm so glad you developed that and I'll throw it away. That's what he did to Paul, Timothy, and Silas. He stopped them, and they were willing to surrender that plan. Now, Wagner does remind us of something, and I want to pause and and reflect upon something really quickly that he states in his commentary. He says, It is important to understand that our well-laid human plans are sometimes changed by the Spirit, as in this case but that at any other time they can equally be obstructed by the devil. So our plan might not always be hindered by the Spirit. And why is that important for us to understand? Because we have to have a proper discernment to understand when we have this closed door, is this a closed door that the enemy is putting in our way that the Holy Spirit's going to empower us to kick down and go after. And many times those of us who are really good strategic planners, we always want to believe that the devil's in those details so that we can just kick that door down and walk in like a champion. I finished my plan. Anybody like that? I mean, come on, I have to admit, I'm kind of like that. Right, But sometimes we have to pause, and sometimes it's the Holy Spirit who is interrupting those moments. And we have to have proper discernment. Not only do we have this open hand, but we have to have intimacy. Because intimacy with the Lord is imperative to properly discern who is interrupting the plan. We need to have intimacy with the Lord. That you hear me say this in this entire series often. There are things that you will hear over and over again. And it's because Paul and Luke who authored Acts and the Holy Spirit want us to see the importance of intimacy with God. Because the early church, had they just tried to do it on their own and they moved in their own plan, it would have failed. They needed to follow the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit which comes with intimacy. We saw two weeks ago in Acts 13, the aspect of fasting and praying and worshiping, creating an atmosphere of intimacy and presence. Are we doing that in our own time, spending time listening to the Lord? I shared this story at least once before, but I remember I was preaching to a group of high school students. There's about 50 high school students in the room, and about 15 of them were seniors. And I asked the question, I said, how many of you are already, you already know what college you're going to? All 15, raise your hand. That's great. You're all going to college. Now, how many of you prayed and asked the Lord to tell you with college that you're going to? No one raised their hand because they had their plan and they wanted to do it. Sometimes it was the parents saying, I'm only going to pay for that school for you to go to. And they're like, oh, my hands are tired. That's the only place I can go. But the reality is, is we need to spend time with the Lord and asking his plans. And when things get interrupted, that's when we need to go back to prayer. And we need to say, Okay. Who is interrupting this plan? Now, there are three S's to people who interrupt our plans. First one is self. We can be very interrupted to our own plans because we get in our own way. And you might say others as well, but many times the reason why others are interrupting our plan is because we've done something. Satan is the next one who could interrupt our plans. And the third is the Holy Spirit. We have to have the discernment to know is this my flesh? Is this the enemy? Or is this God when the door is closed? My challenge to you is when you have that GPS moment and you see a staircase that's supposed to be a road, stop and pray. Don't be reactionary. Because it could be this place of blaming God or blaming Satan when it could have been ourselves or whatever. We need the discernment to know who's interrupting. And it only comes through intimacy. Only comes through intimacy. So open hands with our plans, intimacy with the Lord. The next aspect to discern the Lord's direction is to remember when we hear the Spirit's no, be prepared to obey His yes. Be prepared to obey His yes. This is why I started this idea of His prohibition is also permission. Because there is always a yes with the Lord's no. Always. When the Lord says no, there's always going to be a yes. There is going to be a redirect, and that is when we need to stop and say, I need to obey the yes. Even if the no is so frustrating, even if the no is so annoying because you had this beautiful plan that now you have to scrap, we have to always be ready to obey his yes. I'm sure that Paul was a bit frustrated. If you know anything about Paul, Paul, he was a strong emotional being. And when he came up to this place where he developed this plan and the Holy Spirit said no, we don't see his reaction fully. We don't know what was really going on in his head or going on in the head of the other guys. But I can guarantee you he was probably frustrated. He was probably like, why did we develop this whole plan? Why did we come to the door of this place only to be told no? God, what are you doing? And so then they go back to the closet of of planning and they develop another strategic plan. Okay, God said no to this We should be going here. Now, remember, he had a very specific call to minister to the Gentiles. And so he was looking at all these civilized Gentile cities and towns and saying, we need to get influence in the cities. We need to get influence with these very important, philosophically respected cities. These are Gentiles that people will listen to. So if we can capture the mind of the sophos, the wise people, with the gospel, then they will then translate that to the rest of the Gentiles and people will respect their opinions. So he said, what's another area? Bithynia makes sense. If you are to look at the strategy of Paul, Paul was very strategic. So he thought through this process very well. Okay, the Spirit's saying, no, here. He must be sending us over here. So they develop a strategic plan. They get to the gates of Bithynia, and the Spirit says no again. Now, they were sensitive to the Spirit's voice. They could have ignored it and said, Ah, he's not saying no again. He can't be saying no again. We have to go into this place and handle this issue. But no, they were sensitive to the Spirit's voice, and they obeyed. Their intimacy with God gave them the ability to discern it was the Holy Spirit. And so they opened up their hands... And they waited. We have no idea how long they waited. But I don't know if you know, if you're you're a strategic planner or someone who plans, waiting is not a fun thing. Waiting is not your thing. You're like, I have to make something happen. Something, you're that type A, take the bull by the horns, get things done type of person. And that was Paul. But here, here God is saying no again. But he was open to God's yes. Now we see that where Paul was going to go to Troas, why he went there, many speculate, is because he was then going to just go into Greece. He was going to go to the the Grecian wise sophos, the wise people who were sophisticated, who were wealthy, and who could give this translation of the gospel with respect. And so he went to Troas to get into another area, like what he saw he was going to. But there, before he could strike out a third time, the Holy Spirit gives him a dream. Now, one of the things that's encouraging to me, and hopefully it's encouraging to you, is that if the Apostle Paul can get things wrong once in a while, you're in good company. Right? Because who here is perfect? Put your hand down, Doug. (laughs) Joking, he didn't raise his hand. I just wanted to say that. But the thing is, is that Paul, he was going after what God wanted him to do, and he was going with a good heart, a passionate desire, prayerfully considering it, writing a strategic plan, but he was open to the change. But still he had this philosophy in mind of where he was supposed to go and the specific type of people he was supposed to minister to. But God makes it clear in a dream. He gives a Macedonian call, a man in a dream saying, we need help we need help and we see in this he says come over to macedonia and help us which is basically saying we need salvation that is the very passionate plea for paul to come and when paul had seen the vision immediately he sought to go into macedonia concluding that god had called them us to preach the gospel to them now us is an important word here and we'll we'll look at that in a little bit later but the Greek word for concluding is simbibazo. Say that 10 times fast. And it means united certainty. So when he saw this vision, when he saw this happen, this man from Macedonia giving a call for help, asking for the gospel to come to Macedonia, and he shared this with Timothy and Silas, there was a united conclusion that this is what we were supposed to do. Paul, Silas and Timothy didn't push back like, ah, is that really from God? Or, you know, Paul, have you just been waiting too long so now you're thinking things, right? No, there was this moment in their spirits that they knew this is where God is calling us to go. The closed door led them to the yes that they were supposed to go to. Sometimes we're so stubborn as humans that we stay at the closed door waiting for it to open. Like, well, I know this is where I'm supposed to be so it's supposed to open. And we wait and we wait and we miss God's yes because we're not paying attention. We're trying to force our own plan, our own agenda. Paul, Silas, and Timothy did not do that because they allowed the wrong way to direct them to the right way. And the Lord may allow us to go the wrong way so he can direct us to the right way. He may allow us to go the wrong way So he can direct us to go the right way. Paul, the team, they followed the plan that they carefully crafted. And God stopped them and said, go this way. Now, what's interesting about the Macedonian call is that Macedonians were not sophisticated Gentiles. They were kind of barbaric. They were kind of like your cousin Al who just, you don't want to hang around very often because he's really weird. Right? He says weird things, he dresses weird, he smells kind of weird, he watches weird television shows that he tries to engage you in conversations with, and you're just like, I don't want to be with my Uncle Al. Right, Macedonia is Uncle Al. He, it was one of those things where it was so clear that God was calling him to go, but in his strategic plan, Paul was trying to go to specific, sophisticated people greco-roman wisdom guys that he could convince through the spirit of the power of the gospel so that they could then go and spread it to the rest of their people but no here he calls them to the barbarians the uncle owls of the world he knew though that this was god directing him and allowing him to go down the wrong path actually helped paul timothy and silas to understand the urgency of the call to macedonia They were set up understanding the urgency. Let me share with you kind of a story of this going in the wrong way to get in the right way for my own personal life. When Hillary and I, we felt God's call to leave Pittsburgh to come and lead a church, four, four places popped up pretty quickly. In the first, we were like, ah, that's definitely not the place. We don't want to go to the backwater of Erie. That's not where we're supposed to go, right? If you're from Erie, that's not a bad thing. I love you, Frank. But... We knew that that's not where we were supposed to go. And so the, the third one, which ended up being Indiana, was c- kind of came at a, at a different time where we had already said yes to these other places to visit. And we were going and we were visiting those places and we're like, oh, this seems kind of good, like this makes kind of sense, this, these different places make a little bit of sense. But the Holy Spirit very quickly within us was like, this is a closed door. And we had this heart for Indiana. And, you know, we're like, okay, we, God is clearly directing us to this place. And as soon as we came into Indiana, as soon as I stepped foot in the sanctuary, the Spirit of God was very clear. This is where you're supposed to be. As soon as Hillary got in the parsonage, the Holy Spirit said to her, this is where you're supposed to be. Weird how he does the house and the sanctuary thing. I don't get it. But it was very clear. And so we said no to those other places. We knew that God was calling us here. His no was redirecting us to the absolute yes. And I know that that may not happen in your situation or your scenario, but God is leading you to a a yes when there is a closed door. I want to encourage you in that. And when God calls you to the yes, obey. Obey. It was probably not an easy thing for Paul to say, okay, we're going to go to Cousin Al's. Uncle Al's. <laughs> but he went, and they were convinced, and they obeyed. Paul Hill, a, an excellent commentator, he says the geographical scheme is certainly not the dominant motif in this section. The divine leading is. The Father in verse 10, the Son in verse 7, and the Spirit in verse 6 together led Paul to the decisive new breakthrough, the mission to Macedonia, the witness on European soil. The divine leading is the motif of this passage discerning the spirit's direction so we've laid the groundwork for that we can see that the importance of surrender intimacy and obedience are vital to discerning the spirit's direction but there is this nagging question that ends up in our hearts when we read something like this and we experience something like this where we say why would god say no or wait and following the understanding of what transpired in the years after God said no, we can see the answer in Paul, Timothy, and Silas' specific life as to why God said no. The first thing that we see is that the Lord may say no to the right place because it's the wrong time. He might say yes to the right place, or no to the right place because it's the wrong time. If you do a study of this Asia area that Paul and Timothy and Silas felt convinced to go to, you'll see in the coming years, eventually, they get to. Paul spent two years in Ephesus. Paul saw the church in Ephesus explode. Paul saw the Holy Spirit of God change an entire city for the gospel. But it wasn't yet the time to do that. It wasn't yet the time to do that. He had the right passion for the right place, but it was the wrong time. And so sometimes in your life, if you're coming to a place where the Spirit of God is saying no, He might be saying wait. Because you might have the right place, you might have the right passion, you might have the right desire, but it's not yet the right time. It's not yet the right time. God, His timing is perfect God's timing is always the right timing. Always the right timing. We see these chirotic moments. We've talked about this. There are two areas of time. Chronos, which is chronological time, where the ticking of your watch, and then there's kairos, which is God's timing, where he puts the seasons and things together. He knew, the Spirit of God knew, that Ephesus was not yet ready for the message that Paul was going to bring. So he said, no, don't go. It's not the right time. Eventually, Paul got there, and we see that Timothy also got there and was pastoring the church in Ephesus. When Timothy, wrote, when Timothy was written by Paul, Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus because Timothy was preaching and teaching and leading there. Ephesus was important to God, but it was the wrong timing. The next reason that he may say no is the Lord may say no to the right place because we're the wrong person. <clears throat> We might have a burden for a place, but we are not the person to go, right? You might come to this, this passionate desire of saying, man, I'm really supposed to go to this place. I'm really supposed to go there. My heart is burdened. I feel a passion for this place. I know that, that I need to pray and intercede for these people. And you have this sense that that's where I'm supposed to be then. But no, he might be burdening you to develop that plan for someone else. He might be burdening you to pray for that place to be ready for the right person. Look at what 1 Peter says. 1 Peter writes to the church in Bithynia, the very place that Paul was not allowed to go, but somebody else went there. He says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you. This is the church in Bithynia and Galatia, Cappadocia. This was announced to you, the church in Bithynia, through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So heaven sent these people who preached the good news. We know from Scripture that if it were Paul, it would have said Paul. It would have said Timothy. It would have said Silas. It would have named them as the people, but they were not. It was other unnamed people who brought the gospel to Bithynia. Now, here's what I like to think about. God doesn't like to waste much of anything. So if Paul and Timothy and Silas sat down for weeks and developed a really good plan, and they had a really good checklist, and God was like, yes, that's the right plan, they probably then handed it over to those who brought the good news. Have you ever written a plan and you're really excited about it, but you don't actually get to do it? That'd be kind of frustrating, but it didn't get to waste. They took their plan and said, wow, this is what we were going to do. We were a burden for this place. We knew that God was going to do something there, but it's not our plan. It's your plan. Here, take what God has developed with us and go. And they blessed them and sent them out. That's, I like to think of it that way because we know that they sat down and they had a plan. And I think that that's probably what happened. Now, that's speculation. That's not Proper real exegesis. No one has determined that, but that's Marvin's exegesis. Take it for what you want it to be. The plans that Paul, Timothy, and Silas drew up might have been for that place, for those people. The next reason he may say no, the Lord may say no for the purpose of finding the right people. Finding the right people. And what I mean by that is not necessarily the right people to go to the right place but the right people that you yourself need in your life. Notice the change in in the vernacular of this passage. In verse 10 of Acts 16, it says, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Before this time... Luke, who's the author of Acts, was writing about the people who were doing things and naming them. Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they were told no. He did not say we, he did not say us until this moment. Paul was redirected from Ephesus, from Bithynia, to Troas to meet Luke. God had a purpose. God had put Luke in Troas for a purpose and a reason. And God redirected Paul to meet Luke. If if Paul and Luke had never met, Luke would most likely, he was a Christian before he came to meet Paul. But if they never met, the book of Luke and the book of Acts may have never been written. Now think about this too. We might think that Paul was the person who's written the majority of the New Testament, but we would be wrong. A word count shows that Luke through the book of Luke and the book of Acts, wrote the majority, the most word count in the New Testament. Think about the importance of this moment. Think about what the Holy Spirit was setting up. There was this moment where Paul's just so frustrated, I'm sure. Why did you say no twice? All right, we're going to go to Troas and we're going to go to these, these, these people in Greece. That's what we're going to do. And God paused him and said, no, you're going to go to Macedonia. And he waited and there was Luke. Now, some commentators like to get really cutesy with some things and have high speculation, and they're like, it must have been Luke who was the Macedonian man. Luke was a doctor, he wasn't Uncle Al, right? I mean, that was, I'm sure that wasn't the truth, but they like to be cutesy and imagine these things. But Luke was there in that city and met Paul, and God did something wonderful. So God might say no or wait for the purpose for you to meet the right people along your path. You probably have had these experiences happen where you thought, man, I'm supposed to go to, to that church, or I'm supposed to go to that place. And God's like, no, the door is closed, and you go to a different church or a different place and all of a sudden you meet someone along the way who changes your life because the Spirit of God was in it look at those moments and that's when we need to step back and say God thank you for saying no thank you for saying wait because I needed that person in my life Paul we know would eventually get sick on some of his trips and he needed a doctor imagine that he had a doctor in his back pocket Luke was right there He saw the majority of what happened later. From Acts 16 on, Luke was almost always by Paul's side. That's a powerful thing. God was setting it up for the right timing and the right person. I just, I just get excited about that. How God just puts those things together in the kairotic time. Now it's important for us to remember this one thing. With the final point. God knows what he's doing, even if it seems to us that he doesn't. God knows what he's doing, even if it seems to us that he doesn't. We might have those plans and say, God, this was perfect. I feel like you were in these plans. Why would you do this? Why would you say no? Why would the door be closed? I don't think you're doing it right. Now, you might not have ever said that aloud, but in your heart you felt that. Come on, right? We're like, God, you you can't be doing this right. But God knows what he's doing, even if it seems he doesn't. You and I have no right to question God at all. You and I have no right to ask him why he said no. Sometimes he's gracious and tells us anyways, but oftentimes he's like, just trust me. Walk in faith. Paul, Timothy, and Silas, and then eventually Luke, walked in that faith and in that trust. And God did remarkable things in and through them, using the plans with other people, taking them to the right place at the right time, and meeting the right people that they needed to meet. God may say no because it's the right, wrong time, right wrong person, wrong plan, or maybe even wrong place. But this specific passage doesn't have that in it. But may we be people who always remember that God knows what he's doing even if it seems that he doesn't. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit not just to empower us, but to guide us and to lead us. We can discern your will and what the Spirit is saying through surrender, intimacy, and obedience. And when you have closed doors, when you say no, there's always a yes that you're saying. Your prohibition leads us to permission. I pray, God, that we will see in those moments when you say no or wait, that we'll seek the right timing, we'll seek the right people, and that we'll go to prayer and remember that you know what you're doing, even when we or I don't think that you do. Thank you. Amen.